Welcome to the RSCC podcast. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Adam and I'm on staff here at RSCC. Here at RSCC, we believe that you matter and that God loves you so much. If you want to know more about RSCC or to keep up with what's going on, follow us on social media at RSCC Family or visit our website at rsccfamily.org. We would love to connect with you. I hope you enjoy the message today. Morning. Glad you're here to worship with us today. We're going to look at uh, the book of Jonah today, if you want to turn there, and we'll have some verses on the screen in just a little bit. But I don't know if you um, used to watch Jay Leno on The Tonight Show, but he would occasionally have a feature where he would go out on the street and ask people different uh, questions about geography or current events or history he you know he would ask them things such as you know where's the english channel or who did we fight in the american uh, or in the revolutionary war and the episodes were usually pretty humorous as people just didn't have any clue about the current events who the current president or vice president was or where things that were located, you know. In some ways it was humorous, in other ways it's kind of scary of how little people knew about what was going on in their world. One of those occasions, he asked some questions, some basic Bible knowledge. They were not difficult questions, things such as, you know, who were Jesus' parents? Uh, how many um, wise men were there? Uh, you know, some people said there was 12 wise men, some said there were 40. So, you know, they, one of the times though, um, he asked people who in the Bible was swallowed by the whale. Surprisingly, more than one person said it was Pinocchio. (laughs) Now, we know that it was Jonah in the Bible. We're going to look today, who is Jonah and what is the book of Jonah trying to teach us because, you know, I'm sure that we can picture, you know, those of us who are older at least, the old Disney movie and uh, Pinocchio and uh, Geppetto on that boat and how they build a fire and get the whale to sneeze and, you know, spits them out of their mouth. But sometimes, um, you know, these Disney stories, they have no real connection to the original story. The Disney's taken it and elaborated it and they don't even look the same. And I think Jonah may be a book that's similar in that, in the sense that it's a book that, you know, if you were raised in church, you went to Bible school, went to VBS, you know, you heard about Jonah and the whale. And maybe more of what we know about Jonah and the whale that we learned as children doesn't really match up completely with what Scripture says about the book of Jonah, because it's more than the story of a man being swallowed by a whale. The book of Jonah reveals to us God's heart for people, and it also shows us where Jonah's heart was and maybe where our heart is sometimes towards other people. So we're going to take just kind of a a high-level view of the book of Jonah today and look at those two concepts briefly. And uh, I think there's going to be opportunity for me in a few weeks to share a little deeper about um, the story of Jonah. But for today, we're going to begin, we're going to kind of refresh our memory about what Scripture says 
about Jonah, reading the first chapter. The first chapter of Jonah says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, some of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea, trying to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. And the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And so they asked him, tell us, Who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And this terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? And they knew that he was running from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, and so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not. For the sea grew even wilder than before. And then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The entire book of Jonah is only 48 verses. We just read 17 of them. There's four chapters. Chapter two, you know, chapter one's the one we're most familiar with. Jonah trying to run from God, being swallowed by a whale, or as scripture more accurately says, a great fish. Jonah uh, chapter two is, it's labeled as a prayer of Jonah. It's really more Jonah recounting his emotions and thoughts while he was in the belly of the great fish. And the fact that he, he did pray to God while he was there. But it really, I don't think, is actually a prayer. But it indicates that Jonah did finally ask God for help. 
And it states Jonah's praise to God for being rescued from the situation that he was in. In chapter 3, starts with the word of the Lord came to Jonah again. And this time, he obeys. He goes to Nineveh, and he brings a message from God that in 40 days, the city's going to be destroyed. And the king uh, uh, hears the message, and the people hear the message actually first, and they begin to repent. And then the king issues a declare uh, a, a declaration that people should uh, pray to God and repent and uh, mourn over their sins. And the king in verse 9 says, Who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that he will not perish, that we will not perish. And God's response closes chapter 3. God said, it says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So Jonah finally obeys the word of the Lord, preaches, and people respond and repent and turn to God. And chapter 4, though, then gives us Jonah's response to that. Chapter 4 shows us that while <clears throat> Jonah obeyed on the outside, his heart really wasn't in it. He preaches, people respond, and Jonah's angry because that's not what he wanted. <clears throat> you know, so chapter four shows us the heart of Jonah, that he really wasn't in to the conversion of the people of Nineveh. And then the book closes with a rather interesting but abrupt conversation between Jonah and God about that. And then, the, again, the book of Jonah just ends. We really don't know what happens to Jonah after that point. Before we begin to look at who Jonah represents in our lives, I want to take just a, a moment to talk about the importance of seeing the book of Jonah as a historical fact, that it's an event from history. It's not a parable. It's not a fable. It's an actual event. And traditionally, those from the Jewish faith and Christians have accepted Jonah as being a historical event. But in more recent decades, as people have become averse to the supernatural and accepting the supernatural, the book of Jonah especially gets questioned and scrutinized, and it's been labeled as just a, um, a made-up story to teach a lesson rather than an actual event. And one of the objections comes from you know marine biologists, others you know who who study whales. Looking at them, they say, "Well, uh, the throat of a whale is too small to swallow a human being, the, a full-grown adult." That they, <clears throat> they say it's just physically impossible. And for most species of whales, that is true. Even though there are some more modern stories of people supposedly being swallowed by whales and then rescued later. Um, but, you know, really, that's not the, the concern. You know, um, the idea that Jonah was swallowed by a whale really isn't from Scripture. It may be more from Disney or from others who want to make up an uh, objection 
Because again, if we, if we remember from Jonah 1, when we read that, it says that God prepared a great fish or a huge fish. And in almost every translation, in almost every place that Jonah is talked about and that the whale or the fish is ta- it's, uses the words great fish or a huge fish or even sea creature. And the words that are there, that would have been what would have been common for people. That would have been the first thought of those who first read the book of Jonah. It wouldn't have been the idea of a whale. There is one verse from the King James translation in Matthew 12:40, where the word whale is uh, used. But the, the point uh, of this is that Scripture doesn't say that it has to be a whale. God prepared a special fish to swallow Jonah. And that can mean a variety of things, and we don't have time to go into all of those, but the, the point is that we don't know exactly what swallowed Jonah. And if we accept Scripture, if we can accept Genesis 1-1, that in the beginning God created, then anything else in Scripture is reasonable. If God can create from nothing, he can prepare a fish that can swallow a human being. He can change water to wine. He can heal the sick. He can raise the dead. The issue uh, is to believe Scripture. And there are some other reasons to believe that Jonah is a historical event. One, Jonah is mentioned in other places in the Bible. In 2 Kings uh, 14, it talks about that Jonah was a prophet, and it mentions some things that came to pass because uh, the word of the Lord spoken through Jonah said that's what was going to happen. So Jonah is a prophet known in other places in Scripture. And probably the most important reason to see Jonah as a historical event is that Jesus mentions Jonah. And Jonah is only one of four prophets that Jesus mentions by name. And he doesn't give just Jonah just a mention. Jonah, or Jesus connects his life with Jonah. He says uh, in Matthew 12, some of the Pharisees, the teachers of the law are questioning Jesus and they say, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Jesus answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And something greater than Jonah is here now. So Jesus treats the story of Jonah being swallowed by this huge fish as a historical event. And I think that's the real reason or one of the main motivations that people want to attack the book of Jonah and say that it's just a fable. Because if they can convince us that Jonah or convince others that Jonah really didn't happen, it's just a made-up story, that puts a pretty big dent in Jesus' credibility, when Jesus ties his death, burial, and resurrection so closely to what happens to Jonah. So whatever the objections, there are uh, reasonable explanations. And again, the heart of the issue in all of that is whether we believe God. 
whether we accept God's word as true. If we accept God for who he is, then to accept the supernatural is not an issue. So that it's important that we see Jonah as just a historical event or as a historical event. But what about us? Where, what does Jonah represent for us? Who is Jonah? Jonah, the book of Jonah, again, teaches us about God's heart and Jonah's heart. Jonah first, I think, is a picture of God's people. It's a picture of the nation of Israel and maybe a picture of the church at times. You know, Israel was called to be obedient to Jehovah God, and they had trouble doing that. But there's more to this than Israel's difficulty in staying true to God. In Genesis 12, when God first calls Abraham to leave his home, he tells Abram, he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples of earth will be blessed through you. And we tend to narrow that blessing down to the fact that Jesus was going to come through the line of Abraham, through the Jewish people. He'd be the Messiah. He would, would die on the cross and that all people would be blessed through that. And certainly that's the, the supreme blessing that came through Abraham. But the nation of Israel was supposed to be a blessing throughout the Old Testament to other nations. You know, there is, you know, evangelism, winning the lost is not something that's new in the New Testament. It was something that the nation of Israel was supposed to be doing in the Old Testament. There are passages that talk about how they're to respond to other nations. There are scripture verses about how Gentiles can become part of the nation of Israel and how they can participate in the, the feasts and the sacrifices and everything. So the nation of Israel was supposed to be teaching other nations about the one true God. But they lost that purpose. They didn't keep that direction in their life. They didn't have the heart for other people that God had for them, that God still has for other people. <clears throat> you know, we live in a world today that is hostile toward God's standards of behavior. You know, what is our attitude toward those in society who want to normalize some different sinful behaviors? Now, I'm not saying that we accept those behaviors as being okay, but my point is, what is our attitude toward those people? See, Israel, God wanted them to be a blessing to all people, but they wanted to keep it for themselves, you know. They didn't have a heart for sharing the message with others. You know, are we as a church, as individuals, are we living up to our call to be salt and light in the world? Are we ambassadors for Christ? You know, have we wavered from a purpose of being a blessing to others and pointing them to Christ? You know, do we see those who want to change our society take it away from biblical standards? Do we see those people as enemies? 
Or do we see them as people who are lost and need the gospel? See, Jonah saw the Ninevites. They were enemies, and he would have been happy if God destroyed them. But God wanted them to have a chance to respond to his mercy. Do we see people as enemies or as those we are to reach with the gospel? So Jonah can represent the nation of Israel. It can represent the church if we move from our focus of reaching others. You know, there's some interesting comparisons between Jesus and Jonah. You know, we, we mentioned why, you know, where Jesus himself connects uh, himself to Jonah. You may think, you know, here's a disobedient prophet, somebody who was running away from God, who didn't want to preach the message of uh, forgiveness to these people. How does he compare to Jesus? Well, there, there are a number of connections, a number of parallels between uh, their lives. They, they both are from the same area of Galilee, not the exact same town, but the same area. You, know, you might go through and read, you read again the story of Jonah and read the story of Jesus being in the storm with the disciples. You know, they're both in the middle of a storm sleeping on a boat. The other people in the boat come to them and say, hey, wake up. You need to do something about this. You know, uh, Jonah had gone below the stern of the ship and was asleep, and the captain comes to him and says, how is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Listen to Mark 4. Jesus and the disciples are in a boat, and a furious squall came up, a furious storm, and the waves break over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Both have a similar experience there. Both were willing, in one sense, to die to save others. Now, again, there's a lot of differences here. Jonah was disobeying God, running from God, but when it came down to it, Jonah said, Hey, if you throw me overboard, the sea will become calm. And he saved the lives of the sailors through that. Jesus, in, this, in Mark 4 at least, he wakes up. He calms the storm with the word, but eventually goes to the cross for us and gives his life to save us spiritually. Jonah was as good as dead in the belly of the whale. He had no hope. There was nothing that could intervene other than God for him and when God spit and when the great fish spit Jonah out onto dry land it was to a new life a new life that led to the salvation of the Ninevites this is the most important connection between Jesus and Jonah Jonah and Jesus both being in the grave, in a sense, for three days and three nights. Jesus' death was a literal death. And his resurrection, though, provides for our salvation. So there's a number of comparisons and parallels between Jonah and Jesus. But the salvation that we have through Christ is the most significant. 
So Jonah can represent as a type, a forecasting, a foreshadowing of who Jesus would be and what Jesus would do to a greater level. But Jonah can also represent us. Jonah can be a picture of our lives. Now you may think, what's he talking about? I'm here today, I'm not running from God. You know, I'm here on on New Year's Day. People have been running from God since Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sinned and went and hid from God. Jonah tries to run from God and God's purpose for him. And if we're honest with ourselves, there are areas of our lives that if we're not outright running from God, we're at least avoiding what God wants us to do. The couple areas that I think we need to examine our lives to see whether we're running from God or avoiding at least what God wants us to do. And the first is listening to God's voice. You know, verse one of chapter one says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now we don't know how that word of the Lord came to him, whether it was in a dream, a vision, an audible voice. You know, sometimes with a prophet we're told how that happens. Sometimes it's just this generic, the word of the Lord came to them. But my question to you, and I'll warn you in advance, this is somewhat of a trick question, but has the word of the Lord come to you? Don't be too quick to say no. Maybe not in a dream, a vision, but we have the word of the Lord. Hebrews tells us in the past God spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. You know, God doesn't normally speak through visions, dreams, that type of thing today. You may not hear the audible voice of God, but every time you read or hear the word of the Bible, you are hearing the word of the Lord. Are you listening to the word of the Lord? The word of the Lord comes to you and should come to you more often than on a Sunday morning. It should come through your own study and prayer. And I want to challenge you, you know, don't know where you're at in making New Year's resolutions and that type of thing, but if you don't already have a a consistent plan for reading scripture, this is a time to start, to hear the word of the Lord daily, to take a few minutes every day and to get in to God's word. And I want to challenge you maybe even just with the book of Jonah over the next month, in 48 verses, take you probably 10 minutes or less to read it. Read it every day. The same book, yes. Because when you read it over and over, then some of these things are gonna begin to stand out to you. Just read the book for the first few days. But after that, begin to take some notes about things that occur to you as you read. What patterns do you see in the book of Jonah? You know, I've mentioned one between the parallel between Jonah and Jesus. Another one that you might think about, chapter one, verse one, chapter three, verse one. 
are basically say the same thing. But how do things proceed after the word of the Lord comes? You know, think about who prays in the book of Jonah. When do they pray? Who doesn't pray? There'll be other themes, other ideas that will come to mind as you read and think about these verses over and over again. There is a lot in those 48 verses for us to learn. Hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord comes to us. It's that we need to begin to listen to it. You know, we're like Jonah in that the word of the Lord may come to us, but we may not obey it. We may choose to ignore it. You know, are you obeying God in every area of your life? Are there areas that you're holding back, that you're avoiding, a habit that you know doesn't please God, an area of your life that you need to change? James says that if we break the law in one area, it is the same as breaking all of God's law. And Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, fortunately, we do not have to be perfect in our obedience. We are saved by grace. That's the only way we would make it. But the fact we're saved by grace is not an excuse for a lack of effort on our part to hear and obey the word of the Lord. You know, the book of Jonah is a book of mercy. Jonah is not just a picture of us running from God, but it's a message of hope for those who turn back to God. The book of Jonah is about God's grace. And Jonah got a second chance. Well, really, and if you read the book and think about it, he got a lot more than two chances. God had to go to some extreme measures to get Jonah's attention. But God doesn't write him off. And Jonah's not the only one who gets a second chance in the book. As you read through it and study it, the sailors got a second chance. They repent and pray to Jehovah. Their lives are changed for the better because of Jonah and because of God's mercy. Maybe you identify with sailors in this story. You're spiritual, but maybe have the wrong priorities that you're seeking. You're trying to find the right God to worship. The message of Jonah is that there's hope for you. The sailors turned back to God you have an opportunity to do the same. The Ninevites get a second chance. You know, because they repented, God did not destroy them. You know, maybe you think I'm past the point of redeeming. I'm not even sure why I'm here today. Maybe what I've done is beyond God's forgiveness. The Ninevites, and we'll look at them more closely in another message, but the Ninevites were not very nice people. They were wicked, they were cruel, they were were vicious in conquering other people. But God gave them another chance. So whether, you know, wherever you're at in your relationship 
with the Lord. Whether you're a Christian who's struggling in your spiritual life now or you're openly rebelling against God. The book of Jonah it says there is hope for you. There is an opportunity to return back to God. Whatever your position in life, whatever your past, whatever the difficult circumstances that you face, there is hope. When Jonah was in the belly of the great fish, he had no ability to change his situation. But there was hope when he called upon God for help. That's my question for you today. Where are you today? No matter where you're at, there's an opportunity for a second chance. Our world sees that you know a new year, beginning of a new year, is a chance for to change, to be different, to make your life better. But there's only so much of that we can do in our own strength and our own power. We really change when we turn our lives to God, when we hear and obey the word of the Lord. Will you do that today? If the worship team will come and we're gonna sing one last song. And after the service, if you'd like to speak more about becoming a Christian or getting back on track in your Christian life, I'll be back at the back. There'll be others. There'll be, you know, a number of people here who would love to have a conversation with you about hearing and obeying the word of the Lord. Where will you be? Where is your heart? Does it match God's heart for other people? Let's stand, I'm gonna have a word of prayer and then we'll sing a closing song. Father, we thank you for this morning and the chance to be here and to worship you and to recognize your goodness and your mercy in our lives. Father, I pray that we will be people who will hear your word and people who will obey your word with all our hearts, all our minds, all our souls. May we be doers of your word and your will. And may we be people of your love and mercy and goodness and show that grace and forgiveness to others. Father, we ask that you guide and direct us, not just today, but throughout this coming year. To be your salt and light, to be your ambassadors for mercy and goodness. And may Christ be lifted up in all that we do and all we say. And may you receive the glory and honor in our lives. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for joining in with us today. We hope that you were blessed by this message and that you were drawn deeper in faith with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to continue the conversation, please feel free to email us at info at rsccfamily.org. Thanks for the listen and have a great day.